Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2014 and beyond. I am Ryan, with me always is... James. And Brad isn't here this week. No. Uh, Brad is out doing something. I don't know what he's doing. I think he's doing a trivia thing or... Just having fun. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Everybody well, deserves a week off. You want to hear something crazy? Sure. So earlier this week, you know, I was I, don't know, I was doing my my deep sexy voice, you know, for mm-hmm. the ladies like I do. Yeah, always. But you know, when when you're a kid, and your mom's like, "Hey, don't you do your face like that; it'll get stuck." Mm-hmm. Happened to my voice. Wow. I know, right? Well, and, so and in all honesty, though, I just sound like this all the time. You're really sick, and you're toughing it out. Yeah. Way to go! Yeah. Thanks, James. You're welcome. We appreciate it. Uh, I just really wanted to come here and get you as sick as possible. That's cool. It's I was a, sick it's all a week. Thing. So if you could get me sick again, that'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm going to do my best. I'll cough in your mouth in about five minutes. Thanks. So you know where we go get comics. Uh, every Real Nerds podcast is brought to you by Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics at 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado. Go there for all your comic book, trading card, and coin needs. And we got it. They got it for you, right? Yeah. Oh, they got everything. Hell yeah. And hey, actually, I have a new thing to announce, James. What? We have partnered with Anime Land Wasabi, which is, taking, is a convention for animation that's taking place at the Crown Plaza DIA. And it is February 28th through March 2nd of next year, 2014. And they just announced John DiMaggio will be there. The voice of Bender on Futurama is Dude, their, that's awesome. Is their uh, guest of honor. I want to meet him. I know. Uh, I'm working with the people there. We might be able to get, uh, be able to cover the event. But right now, I just, uh, you know, they sent us a message and asked if you would mind talking about Anime Wasabi, Anime Land Wasabi. And I said, yeah, sure. And that was cool. before they even announced that they're going to have John DiMaggio there. And, and I thought it was going to be... Uh, specifically an anime convention but i was looking at it they have people from adventure time there um you know john dimaggio they have a bunch of people there they have an artist alley so you should really it looks really cool um so if you're definitely in the denver area march 2nd i mean march 2nd february 28th through march 2nd of 2014 you can buy tickets right now on animelandwasabi.com and pick up your tickets. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds like lots of fun. Cool. So, yeah, you should check it out. I love when people reach out to us. Yeah. Because that means we're, we're hitting people. <laughs> we're hitting them. I'm going to have to go look that up. There might be some really cool, like, because, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm into some weird stuff that, you know, yeah, they, they may not be promoting, but like, there might be some sneaky guy in there. They'll be like, oh, man. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Shada, who is the voice of Finn on Adventure Time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the, you know, it's it's one of those things where they sent me this stuff. And they said, hey, this is what we're doing if you're interested. How's it? You know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I realized, oh, I'm so fucking interested. So, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Cool. So, AnimeLandWasabi.com, you can buy tickets right now. People do cool things. Yeah, dude. And they have, a, like, a gaming room I was looking at. And also our friends at Denver Comic Con is one of their sponsors as well. Neat. So, you know, it's all the same people. So if you're in the Denver area, it's definitely worth it to check it out. That's the thing. You get a bunch of nerds together, it's always fun. Absolutely. So, yeah. If you're wondering what real nerds do, well, first, come on. Our name is R-E-E-L. That's movie stuff. (laughs) We go see a new movie every week. And this week, we went and saw Frozen. How, How wonderfully... Spot on, because Denver is frozen right now. Oh, man. That we went and saw Frozen. I accidentally, coming from the Alamo, I accidentally turned right instead of left, uh, which to get to your house is mm-hmm. left. Right is to get to my house. So I had to take 470, which is the highway, mm-hmm. all the way around, like right up against the foothills of the mountains. It was nasty. 
Yeah, there was that's some, a horrible highway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, if I was you, I'd not take that way home. Uh, I probably still will. Oh yeah, but yeah it wasn't you have that a car bad. That's all right. For oh it. yeah, 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 no. I have almost like slid around on it though before coming going oh, back yeah. from your house. Like it's, it's it can get bad. Because in, in those places where like the mountains divide a little mm-hmm. bit, you get that cold wind coming oh, yeah. through. It'll just freeze that. Dude, highway. there was a time. Remember last year when we were leaving your house and we came in Laura's car and it was yeah. a blizzard. Yeah, it was the most horrible ride home I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I was really worried about you guys at that. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't like I, I did it really well, and I I'm a better driver than Laura. But yeah, you know, I couldn't see. I got off on uh, Kipling and I drove all the way home on Kipling because it was so bad. Yeah. But it's almost as soon as I cut off CE 470, it like, immediately cleared up. It's really weird. For the record, um, Ryan wasn't being sexist. His wife just really is not a very good driver. No, she's not. She's yeah. just really aggressive, so it's really scary when yeah. she drives sometimes. Um, if you're wondering why, we also didn't see, if you listened to last week's show, and it says, hey, you guys said you're going to see Inside Lewin Davis. Um, it's only oh. playing in New York and in, uh, L.A. It's bullshit. Uh, so I think December 20th is their nationwide expansion. Yeah. Which is weird because there's like eight movies that come out that day. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. It means that it's, yeah, it's one more movie. I'm going to have to see like a movie oh, a night that dude, week. Oh, dude. I, I want to see Homefront still. I have to see a movie a day pretty much going forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's I still want to see All is Lost. And yep. um, I want to see All is Lost. playing at a theater nearby. Maybe I'll see that Sunday morning. I do want to see um, Out of the Furnace, which came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I was counting last week. There's like five movies in theaters now yeah. that I want to see. You know, and then next week, and the week after that, there are more and more. So what me and James do is we took our love for movies, and now we talk about them, and hopefully you enjoy what we talk about. We also had talk about movie news, sad, and we also <laughs> talk about movies that are coming up, stuff we've been watching, because not only do we go see movies every week, but we're big movie fans. Uh, James, you became a movie fan because you watched it a movie with your parents every weekend, correct? Yeah, when I was growing up, every Friday night was movie night, so like... Um, it was it was really just a way for like us as a family to get together and mm-hmm. sit down and have a nice meal and which I mean we did that every night anyway but this was us having fun on Friday nights together, um, so it's how I saw like and and my parents would like go through these waves of educating us on stuff so mm-hmm. like we, you know we'd see some fun musical and they'd be like oh we need to watch all the classic musicals and we'd go That's through so cool yeah um, until we got to Oklahoma and then halfway through Oklahoma we were like this is bullshit and we mm-hmm. never watched another musical again. Um, <laughs> But, your, your mom uh, said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah my nice it. Nazarene mother was like, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I can picture Wait, Are they ever going to get out of this goddamn gre- dream sequence? Come on. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's so funny because mine is totally opposite of yours. Yeah. Is my family isn't into movies like I am. Yeah. Um, I would watch movies, not as an escape, but to... Because it's just something I like to do. I, I love the art of making movies. Yeah. And that's why I was always afraid if I ever became a film director or a producer or something, I would stop liking movies like I like them. Yeah. Because I'm so close into it. But I don't think so. I really love them. Because I'm sure people like Spielberg still love going to see movies. Um, yeah. It just changes the way you watch them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know what? It doesn't matter now. I have a huge collection. I love movies. Um, we'll also talk about, uh, what did I miss? Box office numbers and stuff that's coming out, you know, to tickle your fancy and get on board with me and james and what we like yeah uh, and hopefully we can you can you learn something and you say you know what i'm gonna listen watch what those guys are watching because they talk about cool things um what do you want to start with this week james um so well, let's start with what we've been watching let's get that out Ooh, of the way do let's some do fun it stuff. so uh yeah this is the stuff we've been watching i saw a lot of shit me too hey so I got an idea. Okay. You know, because it, it's stressful on my voice to, like, be this sexy all the time. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm thinking, like, you do a movie, or you do a thing you watch, and then I'll do a thing I watch, and then you do a thing you watch. We'll just go back and forth, because we both good. watched a lot of shit this week. That sounds good. Um, so do you want me to start with something that we're going to talk a lot about right yeah. away? Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you know that James is a big TV show watcher. You know, oh, he, shit. He loves watching TV. Yeah. Um, so about two months ago, James lent me the first season of Hannibal. He's yeah. like, hey, you watch this fast, asshole, because I want it back. And I didn't get around to it till this week. Yeah. So I watched the entire first season of Hannibal. And um, right away, uh, the one thing I do love about this, I'll talk about what I like about it when I don't like. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the best shot shows on TV. It's gorgeous. I think it's shot like a movie. And there's times that I forget I'm watching a TV show. Yeah. Um, Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he... He doesn't play it. Anthony Hopkins is good in Science of the Lambs and Red Dragon. But he plays it very, like... He's kind of campy. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, where he's... He, he wears his he wears his evil on his sleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen does not. Mads Mikkelsen no. is hidden. No, and that's... You know, what's... Okay, I'll, uh, like I said, I'll talk about what I really liked about this series. Um, I liked I liked seeing Hannibal Lecter as a psychiatrist. Yeah. I like seeing him... As he was, because, you know, one of the things when I, whenever I saw Science of Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon, you know, I was thinking, it'd be so cool to see what he was like before, because he's so smart, and he's so far ahead of everybody else, and uh, the show gives this to you. Yeah. It, it gives you, straight up, a Hannibal Lecter that, um, well, I'll set up the premise of the show, Will Graham, who's played by Edward Norton, if you're thinking about the famous movie one. Or, or that guy from CSI in Manhunter. Yeah, or that guy from CSI in Manhunter. Um, he is an FBI profiler. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, Sort of. Yeah, he, he, at, the, at the beginning, he's actually just a professor. Yeah, like. he lectures uh, FBI ag- uh, new agents on how to diagnose a crime scene. Yeah. Which, yes. by the way, the opening was really cool where you're not really sure what's happening when he says, first I shoot uh, you know, my wife as she's coming down the stairs and um, and, and all that stuff. And you're saying, what the fuck is going on? And then he keeps on going back. Yeah. And then you realize he's explaining um, this this crime to you. Yeah. Um, which I think is handled better than CSI and um, all those other shows. Yeah. Um, it, it has that same gimmicky thing where, like, he goes into this other mm-hmm. vision where he sees things that other people don't see. Um, and it, it can be kind of gimmicky sometimes, but I yeah, also think... I'll, I'll get, yeah, I'll, yeah, get well, yeah I'll let you go. I'll let <laughs> yeah. you go. Um, so... It starts, and you know what's really interesting is Lecter doesn't show up. I think maybe a three fourths of the way through the first episode, yeah, he and, he, and he almost shows up like a like a B character. Yeah, like he's not even going to be and, in the show very much. Um, so he, I, I love Mads Mikkelsen as it because he has this menace to him that is so inside. And one of the things I thought that and God, people are going to get mad and write and hate mail to our show. Um, what I think where Anthony Hopkins isn't as good is Bickelson does these things when you watch him as the character that you go, yeah, when I picture Hannibal Lecter and, uh, you know, he killed that one guy in the one movie because he's a bad bass player. Or Trump, I forget what it was Yeah, in the, the Ridley Scott one. <laughs> and yeah. in this, you can see why he does it, yeah. you know, because he's really cold. He's really calculating. But he likes his things certain ways, yeah. and you, you see that elitist part exactly. of it. Exactly, and you know, he really thinks he's just better than all these and people. I, you know, one of the things too, why I think the details of the show are really good is this sounds this might sound really stupid, but his ties, the way they were tied, <laughs> are really well done, and yeah. his suits look really nice. Yeah. Um, his house is beautiful. His food, which is people, looks great. Oh, it looks delicious. It does. 
and it's really cool that he's always feeding these people, and he has these and things. They, they never... I mean, there are a couple times where they make it clear, but it's very... Like, they never... When, when people are sitting around his table eating, they never, like, prey on that idea. Mm-mm. Like, like they're always just normal dinner scenes. Yeah. You just know that they're eating people. Yeah. Like, that's the... The only thing that makes it suspicious is that you already know. Yeah. That's, the, the, I think... The, is that you know Hannibal. I think that's why it's so smart in yeah. that moment, is because you know what they're eating, but it's it's nothing to say, oh, that looks good. Yeah, you it know. sort of relies on the fact that you already know Hannibal as a character, so they don't need to tell you. So it allows them to never tell you. I also uh, will start seeing Hannibal as a patient because he's seeing what's happening is he's starting to. Um, I don't know what in, the word is. In order, in order, well, at least the way they write it is that in order for him to really understand these murderers he emotionally has yeah, to connect yeah, with go. and understand them and that is detrimental to his own mental health yeah so he needs a way out what i did like too is very early on uh when they introduced the idea of the chesapeake ripper who is should i spoil this um <laughs> i'm gonna spoil it yeah so if, okay not? because if, if you haven't watched the show yet you're if you haven't watched the show sk- skip ahead and, like, and hopefully hopefully this will convince you that you, you ought to see the yeah, show or skip ahead about 10 minutes because i'm going to talk about some of the things I really liked and some things I hated about yeah. this show. Um, so the Chesapeake Ripper is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious early on in the, in the, in the series. Yeah. Um, but Eddie Izzard plays a psychopath who claims to be the Chesapeake Ripper. And when it is alluded to with another serial killer, that's not the Eddie Izzard character, but is Dobbs. Is that the guy's name at the, in the first episode? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his daughter. When it's alluded to that he might be the Chesapeake Ripper, uh, Hannibal Lecter goes crazy. And he says, you know what? I'm not this kind of killer. This is what I do. And he makes it better. And he makes his killings more um, beautiful. That sounds horrible to say, but um, I like this arc. I like this arc of um, because there's a little little subtle thing, and I don't know if a lot of people would pick it up, but the doctor... I forget Eddie Izzard's character's name. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but he was a doctor. But he was told through a psychiatrist that if you are constantly told that you're this killer, then it becomes true. Yeah. Through the course of the season, as Will is trying to figure out this Dobbs murder mystery, um, Hannibal Lecter is doing this to him. He's saying, you know... He's fucking with him. He's, he's Mentally, he's fucking with him. And I, I really like that idea. But this is also too where I start not liking the show. Yeah, I don't like the character of Will Graham at all. Really? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because for someone who's as smart as he is and figuring out stuff, to me, he should be able to figure out uh, the end game. Maybe that is not Lecter. Are you talking about Hannibal's end game, or are you talking about the the Dobbs mystery? The Dobbs of course mystery. That, okay. Because to me, he's so smart, and they really set that up um, in the early episodes with these murders that he can figure it out. But for some reason, I, I understand they're trying to say that he's blinded by the little, the young girl yeah. um, and her vulnerability, but I start really disliking him, hmm. and it really bothers me, um, his mental state throughout it, because I don't think he's that well-written, because he'll always say, uh, it just doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense, but he's going against what he knows is right, and to me, that huh. doesn't make sense to me. I still love Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter fucking with him, but I don't like... The but, Will Graham but because, character, but because you don't uh, connect with Will Graham, it means that 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 is cool, but not f- like fun. 
Exactly. Like it's, a, it's a neat thing, but it's not an awesome thing. Exactly, because it's just, it, then it just, to me, it, it started getting in the way. It started, yeah. it seemed like it was just like stretching it now, where he, you know, he had a problem with his brain, and, you know, Lecter says, no, don't tell him that, you know, he's he's suffering from some sort of disease. And Hannibal is playing on this, which is fine, but then it's about another four episodes where he's still trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, where, but then I um oh then I'll get right back in the show when they go to the opera and that dude's vocal cords are ripped open and um and see this is too where the inconsistencies of Will Graham's character is because um you know he goes to that string shop and he says you know the the string maker says someone tried and he says I didn't say they tried to play it. So right away, Will knows he's a bad guy. Yeah. So to me, the, it doesn't make sense that he can't figure out yeah, he can, Hannibal Lecter He can Lecter figure out stuff. all these other people, but he can't figure out Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, but then, you know, then it's... But then you get sucked right back into the show when... I love the scenes with... And Gillian Anderson's in it as Hannibal Lecter psychiatrist. Yeah. And, you know, they're sitting down. They have great moments. I love the little scenes when they're just sitting and talking. Yeah. Um, some of the murders in it um, don't make any sense. It stretches credibility to oh, me. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, the one angel guy. I mean, yep. how the hell did That's he, the first one I thought of. How, how did he bind his feet and put himself up there? The totem pole guy was Lance Hendrickson, and he was too tired. He was so tired to kill that one kid, but he was able to construct this totem pole of body parts. Yeah. And then they they're showing how Will was in the mind of the killer was putting it together, where he's laying body parts on it, but it was erected, and then on the other side there was body parts. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I, I had really big problems with that. But I will say the show is very interesting. Um, I like how it ended. Uh, yeah, man. I didn't expect that one. Because, too, you know, because I was waiting for that moment so long where Will finally fucking got it. And he's putting it together. And in his <laughs> mind, it and it's really too late. It's too late. And it's great. <laughs> and, that's you know, that's what's great about the Lecter character, too. It's because everybody who started figuring out who he was, done. They were done. Yeah. Uh, that that young girl, I can't remember. I don't want to remember her character's name. Uh, Abigail. Abigail. Yeah, Abby. When she's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. Oh man, when she's that like, scene when, when she figures she it says, out is are you heartbreaking. Gonna, are you going to kill me? And then, and this just, is why Mads Mikkelsen's great. Yeah, he doesn't no sympathy, and he says, "I don't want to." Yeah, but he does it anyway. And then they just cut away. And this cut away. Oh and man. Like, oh, did 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 he kill her? Yeah. Oh yeah, he fucking killed her. Oh man. Um. So. I have issues with the show, but not so much that I'm not gonna. I like. I want to watch it again. Cool. Because I want to see. They're doing a second season, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I do want to see. <laughs> Even though, yeah, which I never thought was gonna happen. Yeah. Because well, like the, the the violence and gore in that show is is. And I, I want to ask you: Is um, are those unedited or are those yes. the broadcast versions? Those are unedited versions of the show. Okay. Um, as far as the gore is concerned, I think some of them have extra dramatic scenes in them. Mm-hmm. Uh the only one that didn't air is the episode with um, Molly Shannon. Yeah. See, that's, oh, you know Which, what? I'm glad you brought that up because that's another one I had issues with. Yeah. Uh, not. I thought the story was creepy. Yeah. But I didn't like that they broke in just before the kid was going to do something bad. Yeah. Because to me, that doesn't make, it didn't um, make sense. But so what's interesting about that episode is that they, they pulled it, and the first assumption was that they pulled it because of Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. um, because it, it involves kids doing violence um and um and basically brian fuller who's the showrunner um he sort of has come out and said things that make me feel like 
it's really just that he doesn't like that episode. Mm. Um, I think I think that he pulled it because he thinks that the the ideas itself are really dark and twisted. And then when I watch the episode, I think that he knew that while he was writing it, and so he pulls his punches. Yeah, um, I agree. So I, I, yeah, I, and I, I don't know if he would say that it's because he doesn't like that episode. He he definitely has said that he thinks that the sort of the ideas were just not. Yeah, the, something you wanted I, to hear. I think that's my only issue is the ending. Because I, man, the scene where uh, Will, I mean, yeah, it's gimmicky, but when he sits down and he's figuring out what's happened to these people yeah. and he says, you know, he's talking about their brain matter flying everywhere and he says, except for one, and that's the mom and she had, they all look shocked except she has a look of forgiveness and they do do that cut of the mom and her face looks sad but shocked and she's trying to okay and then she gets her brains blown out and you're, yeah. that's really well done. I just don't like the ending because it was too convenient and um, and so that was another little issue I had with the show yeah but don't uh, but don't get me wrong I still think it's a well done show it's it's might of I, I've been watching Blu-rays lately and they get, look so good and this show looks amazing on Blu-ray one of the things I keep telling people about when I talk about this show is that the uh, so there's this sound effect and I've talked about it on the, on the podcast before but there's a sound effect that they do um, during the moments when Will is going insane, it's that whirring sound, tra- mm-hmm. sound, sound, and it's this ancient instrument thing. Um, on the Blu-ray, if you have like a surround sound system, that sound will spin around yeah. the room around you. I mean, I just have um, a sound which, bar and it picked it up. Yeah. Oh, it's it's cool. It is um, cool. So again, I think it's it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I am shocked. I don't think the violence is that crazy in it because it's a little cartoony. But I think like like when Hannibal's carving that dude's head open. Oh yeah, that one's pretty bad. That one, oh man. When he's actually, I, th- I don't think when he was cutting it was bad. It's when he pulls it, it back. When he's oh. pulling it down and pushing it. Yeah, man. Is, uh, it's fucked. And you know that episode was actually kind of creepy with the girl underneath the bed yeah. and and then her arm pulls off. Oh and yeah, it, and it pulls off in the most disturbing it way. It does. It pulls off, and it's in a weird way where you don't believe what's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, that's and where because, the show is And clever. because it's like where, because oh, man, like. The the fact that the way that they write him going crazy and weave that in and out of the show allows there to be times like that where you don't know if what you just saw really mm-hmm. happened, um, and so the the show itself is kind of fucking with you. Um, I will say I think, um, like the problem that you had with the show as far as Will Graham is concerned is not the one I expected you to have. Mm. Um, and now that I think about it, I think that's because for me, that I don't know that I actually care as much about Will Graham as I do. Uh, care about the relationship between Hannibal and Will Graham. Mm-hmm. Like, I see, I see Hannibal as genuinely kind of thinking that Will is his friend. Yeah. Um, and I mean that, of course, gets tested near the end of the season. But like, the the triangle between Will and Hannibal and Abigail is so fascinating to me. And I think I relate to Will not through who he is and what he does in his job, but through his relationship with Abigail and, and Hannibal. Yeah, I, you, um, I, you're totally right because I mean. Again, I, I'm not. If I had to give it like oh, a score of like one to ten, I'd probably give it like a seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's that one scene where, you know, after Will is caught for the murders and Abigail is dead, and he's talking to Julian uh, Anderson and he's crying. Yeah. And there's those little moments where Hannibal, you're like, you think he's saying, "Man, if he wasn't such a psychopath, that you could like this guy." Yeah. But he, it's his own do undoing is his him being crazy cool well, i'm um, glad you liked it yeah so yeah thanks for letting me watch it uh <laughs> that was a long one but i knew i watched 13 episodes or 14 episodes yeah so uh, it was a lot to cover but uh, yeah, what's the first thing you watched james um so i since i was sick this week i watched a bunch of shit um 
I'll actually do two real quick. I, I went and saw Thor The Dark World again. Nice. Um, still really love that movie. Um, and then I also uh, got a chance to rent Parkland, which is the movie oh, about... Yeah. Um, it's the like JFK. Yeah, it's uh, about the, the JFK assassination. That's the hospital he Yeah, Parkland to. is the name of the hospital he's taken to. Parkland, ironically... Um, well, no, I won't tell you that bit, because that's a really powerful moment in the movie. Um, I... From seeing the trailer, I sort of compared this a lot to Bobby, which is a movie yeah. from like 2005. That's it's not a bad it's like, movie. Yeah, it's not horrible, but it's like it's like vignettes mm. about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. Um, and this is, it's sort of vignettes, but it does follow kind of one story. Um, or it follows like three stories and bounces around. So it's not like it tells one story and then moves on to the next. Um, and they were all really good. Uh, if you... If you like um, history and the, certainly this time cool. of history, you definitely ought to check this movie out. There's a lot of little things that, that like, um, if you if you didn't already know, like the thing I was about to spoil a minute ago, that if you didn't already know when this movie tells you that little fact, you'd be like, oh, that's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Um, it's not a movie that when it's done, I'm like, oh, I want to re- own that and watch it mm-hmm. a bunch of times. Um, but it's just a really fun watch. I think the performances are all really good. Uh, Zac Efron is is great. Um, uh, um, Colin Hanks, uh, Zac Efron and Colin Hanks play the doctors, mm. um, and they're really powerful. Um, Billy Bob Thornton, I think, is really cool. Uh, but probably the best performance is um, uh, Paul Giamatti, who plays um, oh shit, I'm not gonna remember his name. Um, he's the guy who uh, f- took the f- the f- the uh, Abraham Zapruder. Yeah, Zapruder. Yeah. So he's the guy who filmed the actual assassination. Um, and it, it follows, uh, him setting up and, and filming it. And then, um, him like going home with that footage, the FBI coming to him, the FBI basically escorting him around town to get it developed as quickly as possible. And then Zapruder and the FBI watching it and then Zapruder showing it to like the NSA. Um, and those, those bits and his performance is really great and really worth seeing. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a cool movie. It's on Amazon awesome. Instant, and I think it, it's out on uh, DVD. It might be your Redboxes, but it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's one I wanted to watch because, I, you know, I love American history and I love uh, president history. is my favorite part of American history, and it's a, you know I watched a show on um, CNN. It was just news reports that are happening during the assassination. It still kind of makes me sad. And oh yeah, that you know that stuff could happen. And I'll. Uh, just just to sell the movie a little bit, I'll spoil one of the powerful moments, um, which is this scene where they've got the body and they've got it in a casket and um, they go through some tor- turmoil getting it out of the uh, out of the airport. And uh, the new uh, President Johnson now, um, he's they they want to get him on the on Air Force One and get him out of there. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I'm not leaving without Jackie and I'm not leaving without the president or without Kennedy. Um so they have to get him, they have to get Kennedy to the airport and get him on this plane. And of course, when the guys on the plane find out that he's coming, they're like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to put him in the cargo hold. Um, so they decide they they rip out chairs out of the inside of uh, Air Force One and move them. And then in order to get the casket into Air Force One, this whole scene where they, you know, 15 guys are lifting this huge heavy casket into this airplane upstairs. You know, it's not an airport up these stairs trying to get it around the corner they've got like a saw they're cutting sections of the airplane apart just to get him inside the fucking fuselage and it's so cool and and moving and great um so 
scenes like that are why you see a movie like oh, this. Oh, cool. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, so, I don't have very many regrets in my life, James. Okay. But I have a couple, and I'll tell you one oh, no. uh, about movies. Okay. Um, in 2010, we were given the option of seeing Creature. Or Help. Or The Help. Did you watch The Help this and week? And for uh, the longest time, uh, when you first introduced me to Tradesmart, I don't know, a year ago, Yeah. Uh, I've been looking for The Help used constantly. <laughs> and, I didn't know this. And I've, I've never seen it. Yeah. And um, I got really ex- I went there because I knew Pacific Rim came out about two or three weeks earlier. I'm like, you know, I can go get a copy of Pacific Rim. And did you find one? I did. Oh, cool. <laughs> I stole it. I'll tell you a funny story of that, too. I stole it actually off a cart that they haven't even put out yet. Oh, but funny. it was labeled and it was used. I'm like, I'm, I took it off the cart. Cool. And as I was taking it off the cart, I was just going through. And I don't know why I looked this time. I don't know why. But I look up and there's, this is how many times, I go there like once every couple weeks. Yeah. But they always had two copies of The Help. They had one standard Blu-ray and then they had like the deluxe edition, which is just a digital copy. Yeah. Um, so I'm going through and I'm looking and I look up and there's three. And one is a used copy of The Help. Dude. Um. And I have to say, I really wish we saw that movie yeah. instead because that movie is really good. Yeah, it is. Um, it's really well done. The performances, a young are, Jessica Chastain, are amazing. And Jessica Chastain is so good in that. Yeah, movie. that's before anybody knew who she was. Like she blew up because of that her yeah, performance in that movie. It's the, the story is is the help are maids. Uh, black maids who live in the South in Alabama. Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi, yeah, you're right. And they basically raised uh, these children, and then the, the they raise, they raise the white children, the white for children, their, and then for their uh, and the uh, white parents but... treat them horribly. Yeah, and then they say, you know, uh, Viola Davis has this wonderful line where she says, "I treat them like my own kids," and then they grow up to be just like their parents, and they treat me like crap too. Yeah, it's she's way more eloquent. And it's way more deep than I just yeah. said, but it's the basic premise of it and emma stone plays a a girl named skeeter who uh starts off that she went to college and she comes back and she by leaving jackson mississippi and coming back she has a different view on it and she realized when she came back on the first thing she goes to a little bridge game that uh bryce dallas howard who's amazing as a total bitch yeah um she chooses scenery every now and then but at the right times uh but she, you know, she goes into this bridge and she realizes she is nothing like these girls mm-hmm. that are there. And she gets a job at the local newspaper writing about house chores. So she starts interviewing the help, uh, the black maids, and she realizes that these people are treated horribly. Um, they're treated like basically paid horribly. They're basically slaves, but they're getting paid for it. Yeah. Um, and so she decides she's going to write a book about what it's like to be a black maid in the 1960s in Mississippi. And there are so many scenes in there where you cannot believe, I, you know, I know this is a fiction story and, um, but dipped but a little true. bit, but dipped in truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those where like, sure it's fiction, but that doesn't mean it's any less true. Yeah. And you know? so, you know, she went to the state and she got that handbook about what black people and white people are allowed to do. You're not allowed to, like testify in um, if you're a white person, not allowed to testify for a black person. It's really crazy things. You can't interview a black person. You just the whole time you're just thinking to yourself, why? It, see, to me, that type of racism, and we talked about this in the Twelve Years a Slave review, is mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Like I cannot wrap my head around 
why people treat people that way. And it's just a horrible thing. But what what's great about this movie is the performances are really good and it it's fun. It's a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, it's a movie that's a, a allowed to be um, even lighthearted at times. Yeah. Um, even though it's talking about something so serious. Oh, it, yeah. It makes really serious stuff palatable. Um, so it's it's a, it's a movie about racism. <laughs> you say, I, well, I could say it. It's a movie about racism that if it came on TNT on a Saturday afternoon, you would watch it. Yeah. Unlike Schindler's List or 12 Years a Slave, <laughs> which you would just be like, oh, fuck no. That's not, I, I would like to have my, my <laughs> afternoon. Um, but it's so well done, and it's yeah. it's a beautiful movie. It really is. Um, I mean, my only gripe with it is it's a little uh, corny at, po- at points. Yeah. Uh, you know, the clapping when they walk in the church and stuff. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie. Like, as I get older, like things like affect me more, like the movie tonight. And uh, there's a part in there where all the um, all the black folks in her town signed a copy of her book. And uh, they give it to Skeeter, and she's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, it's, yeah, it's, and I have I have two favorite scenes in the movie. One is the shit pie, because I love how Octavia Spencer plays it. Yeah. Um, but two, at the very end, um, Abigail comes to her place where she works, and uh, she's, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character is friends with the girl that she works for. And she comes in and she says, she's missing three pieces of silver. And you know, um, Abigail didn't steal it. Um, and so, um, she says, I didn't steal it. And she says, well, you're fired. And then she comes up and she just gives, uh, Bryce Ellis Howard the best fucking fuck you speech ever where she, she said, because uh, Bryce Howard's saying how she's going to throw her in jail. She's like, I don't care. You won't work again. She said, oh yeah. Well, and she took credit for writing the help. She says, a lot of people have already read my stories. And it's just, I can't remember the exact wording yeah. of it, but she just puts the kibosh on her character and she has that strength and it's so, yeah. it's so beautiful. And her story about her son dying and stuff is so sad. And I, I really loved the movie. I really did. Yeah. So I can't believe I saw Creature instead of The Help. I can't either. <laughs> Though I had fun at both. Yeah. That's cool. So what else do you see, James? Um, I, uh... Shit, I'm going to do another two. That's fine. I'm cheating here. Uh, because the first one we don't have much to talk about. I saw Empire State, um, which oh, is the, yeah. uh, it's the movie with the, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. with the Rock a little and uh, Emma Roberts a little and Liam Hemsworth a lot. And uh, it's just about Liam Hemsworth gets a job at this place that has a garage full of money. Mm. And I don't know why. And uh, he's got a friend who's a dick and he sort of gets in trouble and tries to steal some money and then he doesn't like that he stole some money and i don't know it's it's pretty forgettable yeah um pretty much about how i summed it up right yeah it's, it's like I, oh cool the rock's in here and he says corny lines yeah except for the i did like the scene where he you know brings him into his office and they sit down and they have a little chat him and liam hemsworth but you know you have to sit through an hour and 15 minutes of stuff yeah. you don't care about absolutely um so uh yeah it's on netflix but you shouldn't watch it um <laughs> But what you should watch on Netflix is a movie called A Band Called Death, mm. uh, which is a movie, it may be produced by the Alamo. If not produced, it is at least distributed by the I'm Alamo. Sorry, so, like, when you go into the Alamo Draft House, it's one of those movies that you can buy on Blu ray there. Um, but it's on Netflix now. And it's about this um, punk rock band 
that actually was around like two years before the Ramones got big or any of that stuff. Um, and they were in Detroit and they were black, um, which is not normal for punk rock bands. Um, and what's really cool about the story is it, it, it starts off and tells you the story about sort of them getting together and all this stuff. Um, but the lead singer, um, they're, they're, they're all three brothers. They're, um, and their dad dies when they're like in their teens or something like that, or late teens, you know, when they're starting to put the the band together and, uh, and they're starting to, you know, play music sort of inspired by the who and all this other stuff. And, um, and he decides sort of for them, he, he sort of becomes the band leader and he decides he wants to name the band death. Like he just gets really obsessed with it. And he has all these philosophical reasons and and i think his reasoning for why he wants to name it death is actually really beautiful um because what he what he sort of says in a roundabout way is that he wants to uh he wants to sort of put a not so somber spin on death like he doesn't want death to be this thing that like um people people don't talk about and and seem so bad like he wants it to be more of a happy thing um and so when they go to try to actually get like signed by labels, everyone turns them down because of this name. Um, they even have one moment where like a, a big publisher like listens to their music and is like, we would love to make this, but you have to change his name. And these brothers stand behind their, their older brother. And when he says no, they say no. And as a result, the, the, the band sort of disintegrates a little bit and, Two of the brothers end up going and making a reggae band and doing reggae for a long time and getting fairly famous in that. Um, and then the older brother, who, you know, that was his passion, um, he sort of gets older and um, ends up dying sort of young. But before he does, um, he tells them, he's like, someday he goes one of his, one of his brothers. Oh, because when they did finally get like records made, he asked for the master tapes, which of course you didn't do back then. But he got them. And so right right before he died he went to his brothers and he was like here are these master's tapes people are going to come for this and i want i need you guys to have it protected and sure enough in like the 90s all of a sudden people start finding these records that they they had printed like 500 of them or something small and uh and sure enough they start finding these records and i think one of the um, I mean the whole the whole documentary and the whole story as they go through it is really cool and there's lots more details that I'm telling you, um, but one of the coolest moments is when this this young kid um, he's finding out that like oh man these people he's hearing about this band called Death and his first like friends of his are really into it and he goes and he looks it up and he realizes that it one of the, that um, that two of those the uh, people in the band are his dad and uncle and that they cool. had never told him and it's such a cool moment. Um, uh, so yeah, it's totally worth checking out. It's a really fun story, um, both heartwarming and sad and also just about how cool music is and really gives you this, um, this interesting take on, on sort of the growth of, of music from the point of view of a band that never made it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, it's good music, you know, I mean, I'm not a huge punk fan, but I'm listening to them like, yeah, this is just as good as anything else. Like, mm -hmm. it's really cool. Um, so yeah, for sure. Check it out. If you're sitting around wanting to watch something on Netflix, it's a, it's a good option. Very cool. Yeah. That's one I always saw when we saw the trailer for it. I was kind of interested to yeah, see. It's cool. Uh, the other thing I saw two more things. Um, the next thing I saw was, I don't know if you've ever seen John Carpenter's in the mouth of madness. No. 
Uh, it just came out, well, about a month ago it came out on Blu-ray, and I finally got around to getting it. Um, and, and the story, it's actually one of my favorite horror movies, because it is an unconventional horror movie. Um, it's psychological horror. Is it based on a Lovecraft? It sounds like it's based it on is. I thought it was, yeah. Loosely based. Yeah. Um, in it, Sam Neill plays an insurance investigator. His job is to, um, when people make insurance claims, he investigates to see if they're true or not. Um, and Sam Neill is really good in this movie. It opens with him being uh, thrown into an insane asylum. And they say, well, how'd you get here? And he tells a story about how he was given the case for um, Sutter Kane's new novel. Sutter Kane is basically the Stephen King of uh, this this world. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's our world, but he basically plays Stephen King, yeah. where he's a horror writer. Um, and, you know... Uh, Sam Neill is a no bullshit kind of investigator and he's having lunch with one of his friends and he gets attacked by this guy and his eyes are like bloodshot and the guy gets killed and um, it turns out that it's Sutter Kane's um, agent. And so Sam Neill thinks that his agent purposely pulled this stunt, maybe not to get killed, but he pulled the stunt to sell, help sell the, his new book that's coming out. Yeah, But riots start happening when people want this book and they kind of go away um and so he is tasked with finding Sutter Kane Sutter Kane disappears no one knows where he go he went and um so Sam Neill starts reading all his books and he starts kind of losing his mind a little bit uh but as he's looking at the books he notices on the cover there's a map and this map takes him to Hobbs End which happens to be in Maine <laughs> and so they're driving to find Hobbs End they can't find it it's it's nowhere to be found and as they're as this lady who goes with him uh, is uh, Sutter Kane's editor. As they're driving around, they notice this kid on a bike and they pass him. And then she's driving along her and the kid's ahead of him again. And she passes him again. And then they drive a little farther and she runs the kid over. And uh, so she goes over to get the kid and uh, she goes to get down. Sam Neill comes and says, oh, let's, you know, uh, does need help? And they go get like a blanket and they come back and the kid's gone. And they says, well, well, we'll go to the hospital in the next town or police and we'll report it. As she drives, she notices that the world changes and she ends up in Hobbs End. And it's this town that looks like a New England town, but it's kind of looks like it's uninhabited. But the, there's people there. The children look like little ghosts um, and all this weird shit's happening. And this movie's a little creepy. Yeah. Um, and it's there's just unusual things happening, like the sweet old lady who's murdering her husband and. Um, so all the stuff that Sutter Kane writes in his books is actually coming true in this story in that they're telling. Um, and Sam Neill's great in it. Um, it's kind of a surreal horror movie where you don't know what's fiction and what's reality. In fact, one of my favorite lines is, is uh, Sam Neill comes in. He's all pissed off. He says, this is this is reality. This is not fiction. And he still has his Australian accent, so he's really cool in it. Um, so, yeah, you should check it out. If you've... Even if you're not a fan of horror, it's not like, I mean, there's blood and guts in it, but it's not, that's not what it relies on. It relies yeah. on your... It's more of a thriller. Exactly. It's what's real, what's not. And then, I mean, obviously, it gets a little hokey um, when they reveal um, Sutter Kane's kind of thing, but there are some pretty uh, scary parts in it, and uh, cool. it's one of my favorites. Awesome. So, yeah, In the Mouth of Madness. What else you got, out. James? Um... So, uh, real quick, I want to talk about, uh, there's a show been going on, and I, I wish I talked about it sooner, uh, but it just got picked up for a second season, so, cool. Um, there's a show that Chris Hardwick does now, at midnight, called 
at midnight uh, <laughs> that he does on Comedy Central, and it's great. It's one of the best like uh, game shows I've seen in a while because it's really not a game show. It's really just a premise for comedians to say funny shit. Nice. So basically, he just has all of these like games that are based on. Um, like internet meme kind of things. Like a lot of them are sort of Twitter based. Um, uh, where it'll be like you know you'll he'll throw up a, a picture and and ask the 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 people who are playing the game to uh, to like come up with a funny funny comment and then whoever has the funniest one they get points. Um, and in a very in a very uh, um, oh shoot uh, Drew Carey show um, uh, whose line is it anyway. <laughs> In a, in a very whose line it is is in any way kind of way the points hardly matter like somebody wins but they don't really win anything um, but the kicker here is that the people playing the game are always like comedian friends of his so really great people like Tom Lennon or Paul Shear um, have been on there um, uh, well, man, more than more than I can I can list oh and a bunch of people that like I didn't know before this that are also really funny um, so it's really a great show. Check it out, or like, just go on to Comedy Central. You can just watch the shows on their site. Um, so, like the other day, I was just playing some of that while I was playing Assassin's Creed and just laughing. Um, nice. So it's a really cool show. So people should check it out. Nice. Uh, the last thing I watched was the Wolverine Ooh. Unleashed Edition, which is twelve minutes longer than the theatrical cut. Um, and I still really like the movie The Wolverine. Yeah, um, I think it's fun. I think uh, I think it's the second best X Men movie. Um, Ooh, I wouldn't say that, but okay. Um, I like that it slowly builds to something. Uh, I, uh, Hugh Jackman's really good in it. Uh, it's, uh, more, it's more character-centric than most yeah, of them are. It's, yeah, I agree. It's more character-centric than a lot of superhero movies. Um, yeah, that's true. What it, it, The difference between them is it's a lot more violent. Um, there's a whole scene. Um, I remember when Hugh Jackman went to like the snow village and all those ninjas were attacking him. Yeah. There's a whole scene now with, uh, I forget the sword chick's name. I always forget it. It's not Mariko. That's his girlfriend in it. What's her, the redheaded girl. Shoot. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways. So she drives like a snow plow and he throws a bunch of ninjas in it and it, they get chopped up and spray blood everywhere. Dude. <laughs> and then he, uh, lights a cigar and blows it up and blows them all to pieces. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then of course, when he's at the funeral scene where he's like dicing people up, you see his claws going to more people. Cool. Um, he actually has a better use of the F word in it. Uh, the part where he goes into the defense ministers thing and all those girls are around him. And he says, if I don't like what you're saying, I'm going to throw you through that fucking window. <laughs> like, yeah. That's pretty good. And then he says, fuck again. He says like fucking it four times. Cool. Um, it's just, I still really like the movie. It might be on my top 10 list. Make sure you stay tuned for film explosion. Um, it's darker than a lot of, um, superhero movies. Yeah. Um, I, I had a lot of fun. With it. I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, it, and the Blu-ray is fucking beautiful again. I, I, lately I've noticed that the Blu-rays look so amazing. Um, I don't know if it's because people, just like video games, have start to understand how to make all movies look great on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the the colors when he's in Tokyo look astounding. The fight on the train looks so good. Um, it's just a really cool movie. And um, I actually think the uh, the director's cut, the Unleashed edition, is the better version of the movie because it also gives character more moments. Cool. Uh, there's more moments with Mariko in when they're in that that love hotel. Yeah. Um, 
it just little little subtle things. I mean, maybe a couple more lines here and there, which sometimes I think uh, a lot of times with movies, you know, they're pressured by studios to cut them down, so they lose some of those character moments. Yeah. Um, even though this movie was really slow to get going, but because there's lots of them, I still think it benefits a little bit to let it breathe even more. Yeah. Because Hugh Jackman's so good as uh, Logan in it, and. And in a movie where you don't have a whole lot of other mutants to rely on to, just for cool stuff, mm-hmm. it means that all that movie has going for it is the badass action and the characters. And when the, you then cut out a lot of the badass action to make it PG-13, it means that all you have left is the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can see that being really important. Yeah, so, yeah, I should check it out. Um, if, if you get a version of it on Blu-ray, get the Unleashed edition. Cool. Because it's worth it. I probably will. That's all I watched. Um, so I got a couple more things. Um, cause yeah, I really did watch a lot this week. I was sick for two days. So, um, uh, I finally got around to watching the heat with Sandra Bullock and, um, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy. Um, and it's fun. That's a funny movie. Um, it's sort of like an R rated version of Miss Congeniality. Mm. Like I still, is that rated R? Oh, it is rated oh, yeah. R. Oh I yeah. Forgot. Um, I still don't think that Sandra Bullock's that funny. Um, but Melissa McCarthy is way funnier than I expected her to be. You know, I I, I, I thought she was going to rely on that shtick too much, but she doesn't. I, I read an interview with Sandra Bullock in my new Entertainment Weekly because she's enter- one of the entertainers of the year. Yeah. And I don't like her. Yeah. I never have. She just... And I like Miss Congeniality. She just sounds... <laughs> I, I, she sounds like really pretentious in her answers and... And the whole time I said, you're not even, you weren't even that big of a deal before the blind side. I mean, what did you make before the blind side? That was she was really good in Crash. Oh, yeah. I forgot she was in that it's movie. It's a piece of shit film. Um, Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So the heat, you know, if, if especially if it comes on to Netflix, like, yeah, you probably ought to throw it on. It's funny. I think your wife's probably going to buy it anyway. Well, so. She's seen it and she liked it. So I have no reason to get it. Does that make sense? Like, I have no reason to rent it right now. Yeah. Because my wife's already seen it. I'd only get it if she wanted to watch it. So hopefully it'll be on Netflix before the end of the year. I might have to go fucking rent it. Or just buy it for her. Because she'll never probably she'll watch She'll never it watch it, dude. Yeah. I bought her Glee in season two and it's still in its wrapper. Yeah, but that's a piece of shit show. It is. Um, and I can I can tell you about good musicals. <laughs> um, so uh, two more things. One, I saw this movie called Dead Man Down, which is starring uh, Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. I, my um, brother and cousin really wanted to see that movie. Uh, yeah, so it's from earlier in the year. And it's got Colin Farrell and Numi Rapace in it. And first 20 minutes or so, I was really into this um, because basically the story they set up is this guy, he's a, he's an enforcer for the mob um, in, I don't know, some mob town and, <laughs> oh shit, I, I have two more things that aren't on this list I got to talk about. Fuck. Um, so I'll make this quick. So he's an enforcer and uh, he lives in this really high building. It starts with a pretty badass action sequence at the beginning with, with uh, where he saves Terrence Howard's life. And... Um, then it cuts to this like really quiet long scene where he goes home and he goes up and he's in this like skyscraper building. Terrence Howard, didn't he help Robert Downey Jr. get Iron Man? Uh, yeah, actually, he's the only reason that uh, oh, Robert Downey right, right, Jr. Right. is talented. Yeah, he actually infused Robert Downey Jr. with some of his talent. Gotcha. Um, so, and uh, uh, in the building next to his, so you know, also on the thirty-second floor or whatever, is Numira Pace's character, and they have like this sort of you know, for like ten minutes or so, like there's this like flirty thing going on and like he'll call her and they'll talk on the phone and they decide to meet and all this um and they go on a date and and she's got like this scar on her face and like anyway she's got the scar on her face and um they're going on this date and everything's going really well and it's a really nice nicely written little section um and 
they're driving and she she asks him to drive her somewhere and she stops and she's like all of a sudden she starts talking weird and you don't know what she's talking about and she's like you don't have to be worried and you're like what are you what are you talking about and she's like you know yes i i saw you killed that kill that man in your apartment um and i have this footage of it she shows him on his phone on her phone like that she has footage of him like killing this dude like strangling this dude in her apartment she says and earlier in the date she told the story about how um she had been in this car accident uh with this drunk driver and he ended up pretty much getting off scot-free um even though like she had they had to reconstruct her face and you know she's all messed up and and like emotionally crushed by this whole thing and and she looks over and she says i'm not going to tell anybody but you're going to do me a favor in that house right there is the man who hit me with his car and you're going to kill him and at this point, I'm like, this is a fucking great idea yeah, for a movie. Cool. This is awesome. Because um, from then on, I think the movie's going to be like, okay, um, this guy's somehow going to be tied in with the mob. And as he tries to uh, come up with a way to kill this dude for her, for his, just, just to save his own skin, he's going to A, fall in love with this woman, and B, um, or I, you know, maybe like teach her that you know she's still beautiful even though she's crushed and all this shit um and two maybe see like the dark underbelly of, of what he's been doing this whole time and maybe mm-hmm. improve his own lot nope instead it turns into a um really overwrought you've seen it before revenge story because it turns out that he is already planning to get revenge on all these other people that he's working for and that like his wife was killed by the mob a while ago and that he's been like you know he intentionally they thought he was dead but he intentionally got into the mob and befriended all these people so he could get close to them so he could kill them it's fucking stupid like it it totally ruins the great premise of this movie that um, sucks yeah it, it really ends up being like a movie I've seen before and New Mirror Pace ends up being sort of a pointless character um like like it ends up being this thing where like, sure they fall in love at the end, but it, it feels just as fake as in some crummy action movie when they had such a really cool premise to go on. So uh, I was actually really disappointed. I, I I mean the action scenes are still pretty cool. Um, they I, I, honestly they're um, they look so expensive that I'm sure somebody lost a lot of money on this movie doing so poorly in January. But um, the movie's not good enough to warrant those action scenes. So. Um, I also saw Red this week because um, I'd never seen the first Red. Oh yeah, I, you know I always wanted to see those movies because they look like they're lots of fun. They are. They're super fun. Um, I mean, you know, I always want Bruce Willis to do a movie where he's not being his Bruce Willis caricature, mm-hmm. uh, and he's still that. But at least in this case, he surrounded himself with enough people who are really being fun in the movie that you know it's not all on his shoulders and he doesn't ruin the movie. Um, but it's really good. It's it's about, you know, uh, basically retired CIA assassin people. And um, for a reason I won't disclose, um, younger assassins are coming after them to kill some of them because they know something. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, of course, have to survive and then figure out why, that, why they're being uh, hunted and then um, kill some people to get it all fixed. Uh, and it's really fun. So I'm excited to see uh, Red 2. I'll probably watch that this week. Cool. Um, fuck. All right. The last two things. Mob City started yeah. this week by Frank Darabont, um, which is a show about the mob in L.A. in like the mid 40s. Um, it's really cool. It stars, you know, a lot of the Frank Darabont people. Shane, uh, the guy who played Shane on Walking Dead um, and countless other people that you've seen in every Frank Darabont movie. Um, 
and it's it's really cool. Um, some of the CG shots look very CG, and I don't know because it's like a mini series, and I don't know totally know like where they're going with the story so far. But the little vignettes that they're they're telling are pretty cool. Um, Doesn't it have Mickey Cohen in it? Remember, we saw Mickey Cohen in Gangster Squad. Yes, yeah, uh, it's a much better <laughs> Mickey Cohen than the one in Gangster Squad. Here's um, Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think the best part is there's this story with Simon Pegg in the first episode, I think. Yeah, it's got to be in the first episode. Because uh, they did like two episodes, or like an hour and a half long episode this week. Um, and he's really good. Simon Pegg was really great in the show, doing a dramatic American role. So he's hiding his accent really well. Um, and it's like a, it's a dramatic and funny kind of role. It's it's great. Um, so yeah, for sure, check it out. I don't know if in the end the whole arc is going to be really worth it, but it's at least something cool. It's something different on TV that we don't get enough of. Uh, and then the very last thing is I finally watched the day of the doctor, um, which is the like big 50th anniversary event that they did oh, for right. Dr. Who. Um, and it's really good. Um, I hear if, a lot of like, people really like it. Yeah. It's one where like I, and I've been so iffy on that show for so long, um, that I was really afraid that Stephen Moffat was going to fuck it up. Cause when Stephen Moffat tries to write like really epic stuff, it just is shit. Um, like his, his season long arcs on that show were awful. Uh, and they have been for years now. And, um, but I, he really gets it right this time. And, um, so if you're, if you're a Doctor Who fan, for sure, check this one out. Uh, it did not disappoint me pretty much in any way. Um, it's one of the, it's some of the most fun I've had with Doctor Who in years. Um, probably since before Stephen Moffat took over the, took over the show. So, um, it's really cool. So that's everything I watched this week. Whew. Made it. Man. You made it. Yeah. So t- take a break for a second, James, okay. because I'm going right. to go into fan mail. Okay, that sounds good. Fan mail! Uh, we actually don't have too much in fan mail, but we have a couple things. Um, George's Jaunty is an old friend of the podcast. He did a great sketch of Gwen Stacy for free for me. Love that guy. Um, now, I should say that he doesn't usually do commission work for free. Uh, but for some reason, he disliked this amazing drawing of Gwen Stacy that he did. Yeah, it's great. And he said, here, you can have it. And I tried to give him money, and he didn't want it. Because um, you were there with me, and I says, well, let me buy something, because you spent yeah. time. Like, let me buy one of your sketchbooks. He's like, no, nah, man, you don't have to buy anything. It's yeah. it's my pleasure. And uh, it was really great. And so we uh, last week, we were, um, Rebecca Isaacs responded to one of your tweets where you were wondering what she was up to, and turned out she's doing Buffy Season 10. Yeah. Um, Christos Gage also said... Um, how great the art was looking because he's writing it and dream uh, team on and that then book. you said yeah then you said we always have buffy folks in it and then georges actually said hey i look forward to it although i hope you can make space for serenity now of course yeah and when we say buffy we mean all joss whedon is welcome on um things so yeah we can't wait to see you again georges i i'm going to send him an email too before because i want to do another commission um i don't know if i want him to do spider-man or i might have him do mary jane just to do the opposite yeah, um, and we we might get George's Jaunty on before DCC. And yeah, so stay tuned for because you know, uh, I don't know if you we guys got, know we got this, some hookups. We have some hookups now. <laughs> it's it's good things, um, and it's really funny uh, because you know Brad took over doing fan mail recently. Yeah, and we didn't get any. And as soon as our show ended last week, Cora, our correspondent, emailed us. Oh shit! And she said, "Long time no email." Said, hey guys, this may be too late for tonight's show. It was. <laughs> but I just uh, got done with my words for today. 
As James has commented on, I'm writing a young adult novel for NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo, National Navel- Novel Writing Month. Oh, yeah, that's that thing November. you were telling me about. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've, I've never done it because it's too daunting. Uh, it's been, it's been, has been going well, but super time consuming. Yeah. I wanted to let you know that Michael and I have fallen in love with the first two volumes of Saga. Hey, all right. Very cool. You should because it's it's a great little mini. That's uh, not mini series. I guess great ongoing series. I should say. Yeah. You should check out East of West if you haven't already. No, I've never heard of it. Either have I. East of West. We'll check it out. Uh, the only movies I've watched recently were Thor two and Gravity. Thor was better than the first one. I didn't fall asleep in this one. Ooh. Oh, that's mean. I love the Captain America cameo. Yeah, Captain America, and that's great. And Gravity was much more involved than either of us expected. We're going to see Hunger Games catching fire in the AM. Sweet. Um, I'm still not the biggest fan of Gravity. Um, a lot of people really like it. Um, I wasn't one of them. It's a good movie. Um, also, we got to go to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando last month. You know, I saw pictures. I was jealous. Um, people dressed as zombies chasing you around the theme park. Terrifying. Oh, like around Universal? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. If you ever ever get the chance, any of you should go. I really want to because, you know, I really wanted to go a year. They did... Um, Freddy, Jason, and Leatherface in one of them, and that would have been really cool. Because, you know, around here, I'll never forget me and Brad went to, it's called um, the Haunted House on or Slaughterhouse Gulch or something, and they would have, like, Jason the size of Taylor, <laughs> my little niece, <laughs> yeah. and that's not scary. Uh, we've been keeping up on American Horror Story Coven and Walking Dead. It's been really, uh, American Horror Story has been really good, except for this week's episode. Uh, we didn't talk about Walking Dead, but The Walking Dead this week was really good. Yeah, yeah. This is the, uh, first, this is the first time I've really had... The, the governor's story that they've done in the last four episodes is the best that show has been in maybe a season and a half. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really interesting because she goes on to say that uh, uh, American Horror Story is great as always, and I'm I'm good with slightly less graphic storyline so far. I agree. Uh, spoiler, maybe for anyone not cut up on Walking Dead, Michael is a fan of The Governor now, and I still think he's a terrible person. I'm excited to keep listening to the that show was, and have a great one. That was before this week's episode. <laughs> um, you know what's you know why I really really liked these last few episodes is um, that one episode where the governor is just broken down, yeah, he, and he even burns Woodbury to the ground, um, and then he's he doesn't have a reason to live, and then he meets those the kid and he falls in love with the kid, and then he starts going back to the governor, and then when he kills uh, Sanchez. Ortiz, oh, yeah. what oh, man? I can't remember his name. I don't remember. Um, then you start seeing the old governor start coming back, and of course, well, because all of a sudden he's got something to protect. Yeah, and then of course he he kills one of the probably the second strongest emotional character on the show. Um, I still think Rick's the best character on the show, but um, Herschel's a close second. Yeah, um, and he killed him in a really graphic way. And uh, my brother Steve thinks it's the best show he's ever seen. Wow. Not just that episode, but The Walking Dead as a whole. Um, and it's really interesting because my brother's obviously never read the comic book. And in the comic book, Herschel isn't the one who dies there. Herschel, Herschel actually dies way earlier. Yeah, that's why I was telling him. Because when they originally leave the farm is when Herschel dies. Yeah. Um, or maybe they leave and they go, I haven't read it in so long. No, I think he dies when they leave the farm. Um, but in the comic book, Tyrese is the one who's killed by the governor um, outside. Because um, him and Michonne actually have a relationship in the comic, yeah. and and I yeah. think this is actually done better than in the comic. Um, I haven't been a big f- a fan of Kirkman's in a while. Yeah. Um, but I, I heard his new little series, uh, All Out War, is pretty good. Um, Again, I haven't read it. Uh, I'll wait till the trade comes out. I'm a trade behind, so. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to start watching The Talking Dead after The Walking Dead. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> it's really good. 
And part of why it's really good is that like um, it gives me some insight into how people who have not read the book watch that show. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly think that my love for the book, especially the first 7,500 issues of the book, um, puts me at a distance from that show. Mm. And so emotionally, I never get quite as invested. Certainly not as much as I was in like the first season. Um, you know, because everybody else is getting like caught up in these stories, and I've mm-hmm. just been sort of bored for the first half of this season. And I think it's that. I, I think that it's um, my knowledge of the show and sort of this idea that I kind of know where it's going keeps me from actually getting invested, which is too bad. And it's a totally personal thing. It has nothing to do with that show. Um, uh, yeah. Um, no, I still think the show's really good. Uh, uh, yeah. It is interesting because, you know, my, like I said, my brother's never read the book. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see his reaction to that stuff. Um, and my wife, too. My wife loves the show, too, and she's never read the comic. Yeah. I think everybody who's never read the comic loves the show. Um, I, th- I think probably more than people who've read the book. Yeah. And not because the book is better, just because it is close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're so similar. Um, anyway. Yeah, and that's fan mail. Thanks for writing in. Uh, let's go ahead and do real news. It's real news! Let's rip this Band-Aid off, how about? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the first per- piece of real news is the biggest news of the week, which uh, Paul Walker, unfortunately, was uh, died in a car accident. Yeah. Um, um, star of Fast and Furious. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody knows that now, because, I mean, well, those movies were always kind of popular, but the last three have become, you know, global phenomenons. And, yeah. Um, it's a bummer, because it's, it's someone who's starting to really... Was some was really starting to rise. Yeah. Um, I mean, he wasn't always the best actor. In fact, no. in, in Fast Four or Fast and Furious, I think is the name of it. I think he has. And I don't think it's his fault. It's probably the writing. Um, you know, when him and Vin Diesel have a fight. Um, but it's always sad because you know you read it. And he was at a charity. Yeah, he was leaving a charity, and he wasn't even driving the car. Yeah. And it, it's something. When you see what happened in the wreck, there's no way anyone could survive. Oh, yeah. Um, what a badass way to go, though. Here's, here's the thing. So the, <laughs> the man is, is immediately made into a legend because um, not only does he die in a fiery car crash, um, but he's leaving a charity. So already you're just like, oh, man, like, yeah. this is so sad. Because he was helping uh, tsunami victims, by the, or uh, typhoon victims, yeah. for the huge thing when the Philippines was. And then you realize that there's like... I don't know, probably at least $250 million to be lost now. Like, like that much money is at stake. Because that, the, you know, they were filming Fast and Furious 7, um, and what we figured out since he died is that pretty much all of his important scenes hadn't been shot yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually when this kind of thing happens, uh, like on Gladiator or something like that, when a major actor dies during the making of the film, you know, they'll come out pretty quick and be like, yeah, we can shoot around we can shoot around it and they'll they'll cover it up pretty quick because you know they've got it's sad and they want to be respectful but they also have their own damage control to do uh, and on this one they haven't on this one yeah. they've come out and said like we don't fucking know what to do um to the point that there are rumors that they may start over which yeah. is is insane i was um, reading an interview with uh, not an interview but a story in variety and they said that the film was already behind schedule yeah that it was already over budget yeah. Um, and they're looking at it, and they don't think they can save it. So my guess is, and see, here's the thing too: is I do not think um, 
for taste reasons, I don't think they should kill him in this thing in a car I, accident. I agree. I really this, and this is my idea, and I'm not you know a movie person or a studio person, but I really think that at the end of Fast Six, they have this kind of thing where they all are a family and they all go away. I think they have to do with something where The Rock comes to Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel says uh, something. I forget Paul Walker's something, 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 something like, I don't want him involved. I don't anymore. want him involved. He's yeah. moved on with his life. He's he's off. He's off the team. That's how I would do it. Because he has a... Because in the movie, he has a family and a kid now. Yeah. So he doesn't need to be involved. I, I don't think you need to keep him in the movie. I, that sounds horrible because he was working on it. Yeah, But absolutely. I don't think it's necessary because... Yeah. You don't you don't kill him in a car accident in the movie. Um, you don't. I don't think you kill him in the movie. Period. Yeah. Just for I taste agree. reasons, because I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary. And it's, I, it's already a clusterfuck because there's already a character who dies in that movie in a car accident. Exactly. Like there's there's not much they can do. Um, and, and so you know, you can still keep the same thing. You can still keep Jason Statham, and you can still keep the Japanese uh, setting, and you can still do all this other stuff. I think you just have to start over and say, hey, Paul Walker's not in it. Yeah. I don't remember his character's name. Salvage what you can. And... Um, you know, and yeah, and salvage what you can, and then just go on. Because I, I think for him and for the, his fans, I don't think it's tasteful to kill him in the movie. And I don't think it's tasteful to have him in the movie and then do like a CGI version of him. Oh, no. If they did that, I wouldn't see the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think that's gross. So, um, and, you know, too, uh, this will tie in. Fast 6 comes out this week on Blu-ray. Every everybody who buys it, a portion of that buying it goes to his charity. Yeah. So if you're planning on getting it, get it this week so you help his charity, which he was doing. Um, because you know when I'm reading all these reports, and it kind of sounds like I mean they might have been going fast, but I think something happened to that car. Yeah, I think so too. Because they didn't see like skid marks or something, so it's sad. Yeah. And you don't want to see he has a he has a kid and stuff, and you just don't want to see that to happen. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think even, that's what they should do. Yeah, you know, I've said some unkind things about Paul Walker over the years, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was like the most amazing actor, but, um, but you know, especially when you saw him in interviews and stuff like that, he was always a really nice guy. And um, yeah, just because you're not a good actor doesn't mean yeah, you know. No, yeah, but, um, you know, too. Like I said, it could be the writing. I mean, he has that Katrina movie coming out that looks interesting. Yeah. Um. So who knows? Maybe if he's given better material, he's a better yeah. actor. Oh, for sure. Um. But I mean, he could be an action star. I mean, he was good enough to drive cars and for for nostalgic reasons and because nobody else is going to say this uh, i was a big fan of him in meet the deedles when i was a kid uh, which is a disney movie um and i had a vhs copy of meet the deedles and i probably played it so many times that i probably like almost destroyed that vhs but it was about him and his brother who were surfer dudes uh got in trouble and so they got sent to yellowstone to work and help at yellowstone and they got into wacky situations nice. Yeah, it was a dumb movie, but I thought it was fantastic when I was a kid. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, just so, you know, my advice is just honor him as a person. Um, it's sad, and yeah. but unfortunately, it sounds horrible. Life goes on. Yeah. Um, you can always watch Paul Walker. He's in six of the, well, he'll be in five of the six movies. I, I hope they take him out of the seventh one. Yeah, I do too. I, I oh, man, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, that's a long way off because it's definitely not coming out this summer. Um, so, yeah. um, speaking of Fast and Furious, though, if we can move on, yep. Um, Gal Gadot, who has been in the last two, mm-hmm. yeah, um, she was cast as Wonder Woman this week in Batman and Superman, which means I now have almost no faith that this movie will be good. <laughs> um, Why is that? 
Uh, way too many superheroes. Uh, really? Way too many what superheroes to introduce. Worked? Yeah, Avengers. Watchmen's good. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Avengers works because we've set up all those characters, and they're all fun and established. Okay, um, I don't think that Superman is very fun, even in Man of Steel. Um, you know, Batman. We know Batman. Whatever. Uh, Wonder Woman. They've never been very successful mm-hmm. at, at at booting Wonder Woman on film. Um, I mean, they haven't tried often enough, and they've actually shot down every good chance yeah, they it had. It makes me interested in what they're going to do. I don't understand her. I guess my only concern is I don't understand her role could possibly be in the movie. Yeah, it's weird because it doesn't make sense. I I have a feeling it's not huge because like I have a feeling like she'll show up in an action scene or something. Um, and they'll, maybe she'll have some dialogue just to like test like, Hey, could we spin this off into a movie? Um, and that basically they'll treat a man of steel sequel, like a justice league movie, um, and try to spin off movies from this one. Um, I will say, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who used to be a host on the totally rad show and who is now, um, the director or will be the director if it, if it actually gets made, hopefully of why the last man. Um, he tweeted just a couple, just like two weeks ago or something like that before this was news, uh, that he had interviewed her for some role. Um, and that she was really cool and then, you know, he was really impressed with her and that like she wanted to be not just dramatic, but also more physical and an action star. And he was like, yeah, she, she was really badass. And so, um, no, yeah, I, I, my hope is that she is better than she is in those Fast and Furious yeah, movies. Yeah, again, not I that think, she's bad; she's just not given much. I, I think again, it's a lot of the writing. I mean, I yeah. like the last two Fast and Furious movies. I'm not a fan of the earlier ones, um, but you know, whatever. We'll see. I mean, obviously, I'm going to see Batman, Superman. So, yeah. whatever it is, um, you know, the, the the talent in front of and behind the camera is really good. So that you you hope that it translates to a good movie. Yeah, um, it's all I, in the writing. Yeah, I, again, I don't understand why she's in the movie. Um, now here's a question because they still haven't titled the movie. Mm-hmm. So do they just go ahead and call this Justice League? They, I mean, they should because I heard they're also looking for a Flash. Yeah, and um, I mean, it makes more sense just call it a Justice League movie. Yeah, um, but we'll see. But that just sounds like a mess. It just sounds like a total mess. I mean, I obviously, I haven't got it yet, but. Um, you know, my wife has a subscription to Playboy, yeah. and there's an interview with Ben Affleck in it, and he goes on and on about the role. So he's obviously read the script, yeah. Um, and I like to, I'd like to think that Ben Affleck's a good judge of scripts. Um, yeah, he's also getting paid a lot. Well, yeah. Uh, so we'll see again. Um, but did you see that her boobs aren't very big? <laughs> Are people, uh, is the internet talking oh, about yeah. that? Oh yeah. Fuck what assholes! I know who gives a honestly, shit. Honestly, honestly, well, I, I do kind of give a shit because when I saw when I thought the casting that was, and maybe this is shitty of me, that was one of my first thoughts, and my my take on it was good. Because <laughs> man, do I not want to see a like huge busty? You know what? Wonder Woman I wish like, I wish our. You know what? I bet we could still put up our interview with George's because it didn't come out that bad. Yeah. Because he has a great thing where he talks about drawing Buffy a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really and, good. And deciding how big to make her boobs. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's great. Um, so yeah, honestly, cause, cause I, I think she's good. I think she's beautiful. Like yeah. she, she could totally do the role. Yeah. Um, and, and not to say anything bad about like, um, Adrian Palicki when she was going to do the show, like what was wrong with her as Wonder Woman was the writing of that awful show. Mm-hmm. Not her, even though she was busty like that, you know, um, it's just, I, I like to think that that will mean that when we see her on screen, she won't look silly. Yeah, it goes back to my. Uh, uh, we'll talk about it when we get to the Spider Man stuff, but yeah. Uh, um, go ahead. Why don't we get to the Spider Man stuff? We got a trailer this week. 
we did get a trailer this week. And uh, you know what? I'll be honest. I was super excited for this trailer. And I'll tell you why I'm more excited for this movie than I was for The Amazing Spider-Man, which I love The Amazing Spider-Man. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But it finally seems like they're doing something different. Yeah. Um, where Amazing Spider-Man says, oh, yeah, the lizard's in it, but we're still kind of telling you the same story, but yeah. the lizard at the end. Uh, the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, one, I think visually it looks spectacular. Um, it, it has its own kind of identity. Um, the costume looks really great. Um, there's little Easter eggs throughout the the trailer. Um, Vulture. Yeah, Vulture, Vulture and Doc Ock. Yeah. Um, and there's some people, like BJ Novak, who's in the movie, who can't mm-hmm. say who he is. Yep. Um, so my guess is BJ Novak's probably either Doc Ock or the Vulture. Um, you know, because there is that there's that great scene in the trailer where that the dude for who visited the lizard at the begin at the end of Amazing is walking through, and you see Doc Ock, the Vulture, and there was also if you go to Daily Bugle on Tumblr dot com, they have a shocker. Um, article where the shocker is terrorizing the city do you think that they are sneaking us into a sinister six movie is that oh where absolutely you're going? no i mean like that you think that avengers or um, amazing i don't think Spider-Man spidey 2, 2 is uh an avengers i mean a sinister six movie i think the next one will be oh, okay um because here, here i'll tell you the lineup it's goblin um the rhino the lizard doc ock vulture and electro so they already have the six in there yeah um, a lot of people are concerned that this movie might have too much in it, but yeah, that's my biggest fear. I don't think it's actually going to be that way. Um, I do think that now this is me shooting cause I've, I've watched a trailer like four or five times just cause I'm such a nerd and I'm actually really excited. And I think the trailer looks great. I think there's a, one of my favorite moments in the trailer is not even the, the action stuff is, uh, Peter's walking up to Gwen and uh, he says, yeah, I got caught up in traffic. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. When you, the bullets, that is like, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just implied. I love the fact that someone who's so in love with Peter embraces what he does and that they have fun with it. On the other side, I do think she's going to die in this movie. Um, there's little hints in this movie. One, the Green Goblin is definitely in it. Well, a, a goblin, some kind of goblin. <laughs> it's it's Harry Osborn. There's yeah. Yeah, it's, ha- a, it's hairy. It's not. Yeah, there's a great shot uh, in the trailer of his face, and he has pointed ears. His eyes are like he's green, and uh, it looks really cool. Um, of course, they're not going to put a little hat on him. I still wish they did, but his hair is like spiked up. Would it would it be cool if like they, they killed that goblin in this movie as well, and then in the next one, old old Osborn, <laughs> old man like Osborne. he takes the shit and turns into like super just badass the worst kind of That'd like sweet. that would be really, like a really menacing yeah um not necessarily because, you know the one thing ultimate, i always loved but... about the harry osborne character is he always was a reluctant bad guy he never yeah. really wanted to be that bad um but and i'll tell you uh, i'm such a nerd i'm watching this trailer and laura's was saying here's like how many times are you gonna watch this thing because i just really wanted to see the details yeah and there's a moment in the trailer where spidey's fighting the goblin and they're inside like these gears and then there's this really quick shot of Gwen running from the goblin in it. And I'm I, I'm guessing that she's going to die in this one. Um, I don't think she's going to die off the bridge. Yeah. I think the goblin's going to be responsible for it. But I think that's what's going to turn Spidey again. 
Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it looks great. Um, you're not a Spider-Man fan. What did you think? What? Bullshit. <laughs> what do you mean I'm not a Spider-Man fan? Um, I guess like I mean, me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm a huge... No. Come on. Come on. Come on. I used to watch Spider-Man after school every day. <laughs> yeah, like, you see my sweet action figures? They're in my display case now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, <laughs> the Craven's uh, spear is bent crooked. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I love Spider-Man, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it looks cool. Like, it, It's not that I'm not a Spider-Man fan, it's only that I'm nervous. Um, because it does have the telltale signs of uh, a... Sorry, a um, superhero movie that sort of reaches too far mm-hmm. and doesn't stay focused. Um but there there can be, you know, dude, the fucking Dark Knight movies have multiple z- villains in them. Nobody says anything about it, but they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can easily do it here. And, here's, and just because they're promoting those, like, doesn't mean that Rhino is in it for more than 15 minutes. Oh, like, no, you know, in fact, I think the Rhino's not in it very much. Yeah, I think he's probably, like, the opening scene. I think he gets captured, and then he's given that suit, and then Spider-Man beats him again. Yeah. And I think there's something where they are. They're, I think they're all going to get beat. I really do. And I think they're going to... S- just like the original Spider-Man Sinister Six, as they realize they can't beat Spider-Man alone, and they have to work together to beat him. Yeah. I think they're going to do something like that. And I also... Um, God, what was I going to say? Um, it is also... You have to raise the stakes for Spider-Man. Because, too, even though this is the second movie in this reboot, it's still the fifth Spider-Man movie yeah. in 13 years. So they have to raise the stakes somehow. Um, I don't... And I don't think the villains were the big problem in Spider-Man 3... I think it's the forced inclusion of Venom that hurt that movie because a lot of people don't know they should really pick up the Spider-Man 3 art book. The Vulture was in that movie too. And I think the original idea of it was way better. But when you're forced to put something in it, and I don't even think the Venom's that bad in it, but Venom's not that cool of a character. Um, But I do think too that Venom might make an appearance in the next one. Because they're also treating, uh, in the trailer, it makes it very clear that they're kind of melding Ultimate and canon Spider-Man. Yeah. Because there's also Harry Osborn says, hey, we saw you here. We know who you are. We know you're Spider-Man. Which is an interesting take, too. Um, because in the original Ultimate Spider-Man, they're always looking for him. You know, Norman Osborn is always trying to replicate his powers. Um, so it, it's it's very interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to see a little more on it. Um, but it's really soon. It's five months away. Yeah. Basically four months away. It's the very beginning of May. Um, so it's it's kind of exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Cool, cool. Um, just a couple more <laughs> quick things. Man, we've been going a long time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Drew Goddard is going to be writing Daredevil. Hey, Buffy. Woo! Um, yeah, which is really exciting. Um, I guess some people aren't really thrilled about the fact that Daredevil is going to be a TV show. But um, you guys didn't, like, you know, the Daredevil movie didn't do that well. So they're not going to make more Daredevil movies until they can prove the character. So um, The character's and, badass. And I don't think it matters. Like, if you put... I, I'm I'm more excited about a good writer on a TV show treating my character right than mm-hmm. a big movie version with a writer I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, anyway. Um, one other interesting thing that I, th- I thought happened this week was first, J.J. Abrams came out and said that he kind of regrets the way that they revealed Khan in mm-hmm. Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, shit, I didn't say spoilers, but come on. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Benedict Cumberbatch in an interview was like, no, I, I actually kind of liked it. And the only reason I bring this up is because it's really fun. Uh, I like seeing Hollywood people and creative people like this talk openly about decisions that they made mm-hmm. when making movies and what they think worked and what they think didn't work. Because um, whether I agree with 
J.J. Abrams or not. And I don't even think I'm going to say whether I agree with him. Um, I think it's cool that he got out there and said it and was open about it and said, like, hey, this is a place where I think I failed. And this is where, you know, like, because they, when they're making this shit, they have no idea how people are yeah, going to react. But um, I also think, too, that I think it's more of a, like, a hindsight thing. Yeah, well, totally. Because no, I, it totally think, is. I, I don't think he made a mistake in keeping it secret. I think he realized maybe if I told people who he was originally, maybe it would have, I mean, it sounds silly that a $270 million movie could have made more money, but I see where he's saying. He's saying maybe if I let people in on the secret of Khan, then it would have a bigger impact. Yeah. Um, and, and that interview, that article you have there is really funny because it says Benedict Cumberbatch calls J.J. Abrams a dickhead. Yep. And, that's why I brought this up and, too. And see, because that article is really misleading. Yeah. Because good, good job, he's slash like, because he, the whole article is like, what a dickhead. If I would have known, I could have not, I could have talked more because he's basically saying that he couldn't say anything. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's not he's, calling him a dickhead. No, he's, yeah. It's such a horrible title for an article and so reflective of how slash film has been written for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think it's fun to see like people like yeah. J.J. Abrams out there talking about this stuff. And he, he maybe um, he learned his mistakes, and yeah. you know, in Star Wars, maybe he's going to open up a little more and let people in. Yeah, because it worked really well for Super Eight, where he didn't. Right. In, but again, you but, know, you never know. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting conversation we had, and it's interesting to have him in on it. Yeah, you know, because it's it's a conversation that we usually have as fans, mm-hmm. where we where or, or as or as critics or reviewers, where we sit here and talk about like, you know, oh, if he had revealed that earlier, would would more people have been down with the way it was revealed or could they have treated it in a different way that was better? Um, but to have somebody from that creative team actually talk about yeah. it, it's just really cool. And you know, yeah. that's why I love JJ Abrams because I think he still is such a fan of film yeah. that he's like us where he's going to analyze, did I do this right? Should I have done it a different way? So nothing but respect for JJ. And uh, very last piece of comic book movie news um, is that, so they're, you know, they're making more X-Men movies. Um, there's hints this week that the next X-Men movie is going to be about Apocalypse, which doesn't excite me at all. Um, and of course they're making more Fantastic Four movies. And the guy who's sort of been writing uh, uh, those movies, and he's also involved in Star Wars and everything else right now, uh, si- uh, sorry, Simon Kinberg, um, I guess they're, the news is that like he's going to write like this more expanded universe out of mm-hmm. X-Men and Fantastic Four, which I don't want X-Men and Fantastic Four to be in the same <laughs> universe. Um, I really don't give a shit about It's weird. They don't those really two being, the same. Yeah, no, it's really just Fox wanting um, wanting to have their own version of Marvel mm-hmm. or of, uh, of Avengers, which is never going to happen. Nope. Um, so they should just focus on making good X-Men movies and good Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. I'd love to see a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, when which I don't think they're, the original ones are that bad. They just could be better. Yeah. All right, here is the box office numbers from last week. This is the box office stats. Staying at number one was The Hunger Games. Catching Fire with $74 million. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney's Frozen was number two with $67 million. Um, that's over the three days. If you count the four days, it was like 94 and Hunger Games is like 115 or something. Uh, I love the because Frozen only opened in one theater last week, and so uh, the next week it jumped like twenty seven thousand percent in revenue. Yeah, I love seeing that. That's really funny. Uh, the big news though is the movie we saw, Old Boy, opened in seventeenth place, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, one of the biggest bombs in movie history. Yep, not surprised. Yeah, they, I I don't think I've ever seen a trailer for that movie. Yeah, they dumped it. They did. They I, I don't think they knew what to do with it. Yeah. So they're like, uh, it, it looks okay right here. 
whatever. <laughs> we'll, just, yeah. we'll just put it there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, right up against Hunger Games in a Disney movie. Great yeah. Idea. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Box Office, Box Office Mojo. You guys give us all our box office info. And now, this is what's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, the big release is Despicable Me 2. Uh, one of the biggest movies of the year. I think it, it made like $370 million or something. Um, of course, we've already mentioned Fast and Furious 6 also comes out. Um, Doctor Who, is that the 50th anniversary one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's the episode, uh, the 50th anniversary How long episode. is that episode? Well, it's like two hours, hour and a half, yeah. Well, because it was in the theaters, wasn't it, in 3D or something? Uh, well, yeah, they, yeah, they did like a theatrical release, I think, in Regal Theaters hmm. um, for like a day or something. Um, you know, you didn't highlight, uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> Futurama comes out, volume eight, the last volume of Futurama. Uh, you glazed over Teen Wolf, I guess, cause it's not important. Uh, I was pushing it back to the end when we talk about the real dumb shit. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Uh, the season, third season is Teen That's Wolf. That's been out for three seasons? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, that Keanu Reeves movie, The Man from Chai, tai Chi, that I keep seeing stuff for. I don't know if it's actually good or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adore, which is the movie where Naomi Watson, uh, um, uh, oh shit. Naomi Rapis? Uh, no, no, no. Um, no, that's the, uh, that's the other lesbian movie. Um, uh, Robin Wright, where the two of them like have sex with each other's nice. kids. I get it cause they're cute. Um, yeah. I don't know. It looks weird. Uh, there's that movie, The Ultimate Gift that I, I know nothing about, but it was a movie. Um, <laughs> Jane Mansfield's Car, uh, which was like a sure. random movie. Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, Battle of the Year, Josh Holloway's um, dance flick. <laughs> when I saw that preview and he was in it, I, I said, really? Really, Sawyer? All right. Yeah, right? It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a 25th anniversary release of Big, which that's that's cool. I, I love actually, that movie. Yeah. I might, I might pick that up. That's a good one. So, you know, uh, Digital Bits is the one who supplies us with all our needs for blu-rays and then we link to amazon and amazon prime gives up to us for a sweet deal uh i always have a comic book i'm gonna have a comic book that surprises you this week cool um so you know i've not been the biggest fan of superior spider-man um but the last few issues have me intrigued now i'm not telling you you have to go out and get superior spider-man but i will tell you that the last few issues are actually been pretty good um Superior Spider-Man succeeds when they ignore Spider-Man um, in so much that I don't, I've said it many times, I don't like um, him just kind of saying how great he is and he talks like a supervillain so you're forced to sit there and listen to his m- maniacal talking or whatever you want to call it. Um, but lately, in the when Spider-Man was relaunched uh, a few years ago again, when he made a deal with a devil, stupid, and um, his marriage to Mary Jane was wiped clean, he started dating this girl named Carly Cooper. And Carly Cooper is a detective for uh, the New York Police Department. And she's really smart. In fact, she's so smart that she figured out that he was Spider-Man. And when she figured out he was Spider-Man, she dumped him. Um, and so it's a really interesting thing because Doctor Strange put this spell on everybody that they all forgot who Spider-Man was. So the Green Goblin forgot... Um, everybody who knew who Spider-Man was forgot they had to figure it out themselves. Uh, so in the superior Spider-Man before Spider-Man, Peter Parker died in 700. 
he told Carly that he was not Otto Octavius, that he was Peter Parker. And first she just thought he was, you know, a raving madman. And slowly but surely they keep on dropping these hints that she's starting to figure it out. And she, uh, and she's been keeping a journal, um, about what's been going on with Peter. And she realizes oh, it was about five or six issues ago that, uh, that he was telling the truth that Peter Parker really died and that Otto Octavius is now Spider-Man. So she's been trying to find a way that she can break it to him and figure out a way to save Peter. Um, so she visits Otto Octavius's grave and she puts some flowers down. She says, you know, no one gives a cared who you were when you died, but I know who you really were. I knew you were this hero. And she falls into the grave and there's no body there. And then this hand grabs and pulls her up and flies her away. Um, so it cuts to, and the go- the green goblins kind of been showing up lately and he's, they're preparing for a thing called goblin war. And, uh, so he has all he has the Hobgoblin and Menace, these two other Goblin characters in Spider-Man books, working for him, and he has all these Goblin minions and um, these people who work for him. Now they don't say who the Green Goblin is. My guess is it's actually Harry Osborn, um, because there's this little Goblin kid flying around. And I think it's his son. Uh, but what makes this uh, issue of Superior Spider-Man really good is Carly Cooper is captured, and Menace gives the Green Goblin her his journal. And the Green Goblin reads it, and he's like, he's like, very interesting indeed. So the Green Goblin knows a secret now, too. So I think it's going to add a whole new dimension um, to it. I really like those subplots. So if you're looking for a Spider-Man book, um, don't get superior, unless there's a way you can edit out the Spider-Man part in it, and you just <laughs> get the subplots of them trying to... The Green Goblin and Carly Cooper, and it's real. That stuff's really interesting. Yeah, it does sound cool. Um, so hopefully, um, I, I think it will resolve soon because I think issue twenty-eight, because solicitations are so far in advance, is called yeah. the end. So um, I'm really hoping that Peter finds a way to come back, and um, oh, I'm sure it will. And I, I think it'd be awesome if the Green Goblin made Peter come back as Spider-Man because he realized how much. Uh, it's like a reverse, like, you know, I don't like you well, yeah. as Spider-Man because you're yeah. not Spider-Man. Like a very Joker-Batman relationship. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't yeah. have that much faith in Dan Slott, so <laughs> we'll see. But I love that the Green Goblin's been in it recently, and you don't know who the Green Goblin is. And It may not be a good story he tells, but at least right now you feel like the good thing will be that it will end. <laughs> yeah. Again, the, the subplots are really good. The other stuff, not so much. Cool. So yeah, pick up the latest issues of Superior Spider-Man if you're interested in seeing a, a mystery. Um, man, we finally made it, James. Yeah. We finally made it to our movie of the week. James, should people go see Frozen? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is one of the best movies of the year. Um, it, it's I thought it was hyperbole when I was reading it, but it's one of the best Disney animated movies in a long time. I, I, I agree. I love Wreck-It Ralph. I think it was a great movie, too. But it doesn't touch this. But this one is so good, and... I can't wait to tell you about this movie, um, but we're gonna we're gonna play the. It, it's it still has a lot of the the you know sort of, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it like the princess uh, tropes. I mean it is they you do know, there's princesses but, in there, but but it doesn't so well. But they're smart, and here's yeah. here's the trailer for uh, for for Frozen. Summer in the city of Arendelle. It couldn't be warmer. It couldn't be sunnier. But that's about to change forever. Arendelle. It's completely frozen. 
Cold, 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 A real howler in July. Yeah? The land is covered in eternal snow. Really? If we don't do something soon, we'll all freeze to death. You want to talk about a problem? I sell ice for a living. Ooh, that's a rough business to be in right now. I mean, that is really... That's unfortunate. My lady. This is awkward. Not you're awkward, but just because we're... I'm awkward. You're gorgeous. Wait, what? Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf. Hi. You're creepy. I don't want it. No. We got off to a bad start. I know how to stop this winter. Hang on. I like fast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get your feet down. This is fresh lacquer. Seriously, were you raised in a barn? Let's go bring back summer! Man, am I out of shape. Wolves. Stop! Whoa. Whoa! Are you okay? Uh, I've got a thick skull. I don't have a skull. Oh, whoo! Head rush! So cute. It's like a little baby unicorn. Now we just have to survive this blizzard! That's no blizzard! Sorcery. That's my sister! That would have been nice to know. Heads up! It is not nice to throw snow, people! Whoa, 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 feisty pants. Just let the snowman be. I'm calm. Great. Oh, come on! Olaf, you're melting. Some people are worth melting for. You're just maybe not right this second. Those are my legs. Oh, hey, do me a favor, grab my butt. Oh, that feels better. That's a horrible trailer. It is. It is. It's, it's not uh, like I didn't want to see this movie. I totally was dismissing. I it. know. I was. I was uh, begging I think... you guys to go see it with me, and you guys. I was. I was going to see it this week, but I was sick. Yeah. So I really didn't want to go out and see it. When and I like I hadn't heard you say anything about it until last week when we were going to see Old Boy. And you said, I said it, and I was like, really? Like, because I had paid no attention. I didn't realize people were talking about it. Because, um, uh, yeah, I watched the trailers for it, and I was just like, wow, well, they are, what is this piece of shit that they are dumping <laughs> in November? Um, yeah, it just did not seem like something we're seeing. So, Frozen tells a story. It's a, it's a kind of a telling of Hans Christian Andersen's The, the Snow Queen, um, where. These two sisters, they're both princesses. One has the ability to freeze stuff that's never really explained. She just has a, like an Iceman power. She's a mutant. Yeah. Um, and so the, the beginning, the girls are all playing and they're having fun. And uh, Anna's her sister. Uh, and uh, what's the other girl's name? Oh, uh, shit. We're, we're horrible. Um, Al- Ali- um, Elena. Ali- Whatever. Shit. So, so the Ice Queen... Uh, she, shoots Anna and it hits her in the head and they go and visit trolls because they're worried that you know she's not going to make it but the trolls say to her as long as she doesn't get her in the heart we can change that we just have to fix her mind and and the the, the way to undo the magic of freezing her is to make her forget about all the magic totally, exactly you know. so they it, it's kind of a a sad story where the sisters are who are really close can no longer be together it's the best part of the movie and it's what they don't tell you about too in the in the trailer for this is this is a musical that is yeah. has some of the best music 
and show-stopping numbers that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, and by the way, too, this movie is fucking beautiful. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's a great-looking movie. Um, so anyways, the girls grow up, and um, the one queen, who James is going to look up her name right now, so we don't have to call her the Ice Queen anymore. Elsa. Elsa. Um, is being coronated, and she's afraid to touch things because when she touches things... Wait, wait, wait. You skip over um, like the most heartbreaking part of this movie, and part of why I think it is so good and so unique is there, the first song that we get is this song where um, the younger sister, Anna, who at first you think this movie is going to be about Elsa, mm-hmm. you know, this magical sister, and you very quickly realize, no, this movie is really about Anna, and she is growing up outside this door you know her sister sort of locked herself up in her room and she, all she wants is for her sister to play with her mm-hmm. um and she sings this song and this and the song like jumps forward in time and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking it is um because it's a sister who you know wants to be friends with her sister and doesn't know that her sister is like holding her at arm's distance in order to protect her um it's a really mature and interesting story and on top of that we don't get like you know. There's plenty of a river runs through it. You know, brother movies out there. There's not a lot of really good sister movies, mm-hmm. and certainly not a lot of good movies about sisters for kids. Um, so that as soon as that was going on, I was just like, "This is really special." Like, mm-hmm. I was totally into it. And so the, at the coronation, Anna, who is impulsive because she's n- never seen outside people, falls in love with the guy really quick. And this <laughs> is this is where this movie gets really really smart. Yeah, is she falls in love with this guy. They get engaged after knowing each other for a couple hours. One song. And that kind of sets off um, Elsa to go use her powers because she's hurt. And so her she turns the whole kingdom to ice. And she goes up and she builds this beautiful ice castle and where she can be left alone. And she's to her own device. But Anna takes it upon herself to go save her. And she puts in charge the prince Hans in charge of the kingdom and she goes away and along the way she meets uh christoph who is a reindeer riding ice salesman and they go on a quest to save their sister uh hit her sister and along the way they meet olaf and uh what i love about olaf is he's so funny and here's a little scene from frozen where olaf talks about why he can't wait for summer oh Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. Olaf? That's right. Olaf. And you are... Uh, um, I'm Anna. And who's the funky-looking donkey over there? That's Sven. Uh-huh. And who's the reindeer? Sven. Oh, they're... Oh, okay. Make things easier for me. <laughs> oh, look at him trying to kiss my nose. I like you, too. Olaf, did Elsa build you? Yeah, why? Do you know where she is? Yeah, why? Do you think you could show us the way? Yeah, why? How does this work? Ow! Stop it, Sven. Try and focus here. Yeah, why? I'll tell you why. We need Elsa to bring back Summer. Summer? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know why, but I've always loved the idea of summer and sun and all things hot. Really? I'm guessing you don't have much experience with heat. Nope. 
another I, I, I want to put that song in my Christmas music oh like, dude I'm so, so going to download this when we're done here yeah. uh, the soundtrack is so great and he is singing about how fun it would be to be in the summer and uh, at the end of the, the song that he does Anna and Kristoff say should we tell him that he's going to melt and die in the summer yeah. and Anna's like no you can't tell him that because it's just too heartbreaking and so he's this fun little lovey, lovey little snowman guy and um, the performances are so good. Uh, I I really loved this movie. It it will probably make an appearance in Film Explosion. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll this is really big spoilers. Please go see this movie before I start talking about this next part. Um, this is where I think the movie super succeeds. Where all where other going. princess movies fail. Yeah, yeah, this is before you say it. Let me say, um, like when you're in when you're an English major. Um, you inevitably will take a class where you'll learn a lot about Disney and why Disney is really bad, especially for young women. And this is now the movie that Disney can hold up and say, fuck you guys. We got it right once. We got it right once. And you're talking to, I love Disney movies. Yeah, me too. Um, so they tell, uh, they go visit the trolls that I didn't mention the trolls were in the beginning, but they visit the trolls and the trolls say, for her to, because she gets shot in the heart by her sister, so she starts her heart starts turning to ice, so she's gonna die, and the trolls tell her that the only way she can be saved is by true love's kiss. And she, she's got these two dudes. Yeah, she's she got to pick two, between these two dudes. Pick, pick between two guys, and whoever kisses her, and it's the dream of every young girl is to have to pick between two dudes yeah, for the, her true love's kiss to warm her heart, and so. Uh, Kristoff knows she's engaged to Prince Hans, so they race back to the castle, and Prince Hans is about to kiss her, and then you find out that Chris Prince Hans is an asshole, Duh. and he's going to take over the kingdom and locks her away. And so there's this huge snowstorm because um, Elsa is, again, banished because uh, she's dangerous, and she's walking through uh, the snowstorm, and... Kristoff. Uh, Kristoff is looking for Anna and Anna's looking for Kristoff because Anna thinks she has to kiss Kristoff to save from dying. And um, Hans catches up to Elsa and says, um, your sister's dead. And then all of a sudden, like it gets calm because he's lying to everybody. He wants to take control of the kingdom. She's not dead yet. And so the storm stops. And then she notices. uh, Anna notices. No, Elsa doesn't see Anna. Anna sees Elsa. I got to get these names right. And she's about to be killed by Hans. So Anna runs over there and sacrifices herself for her sister. And she turns to ice. To stop the sword. To stop the sword from killing her sister. Yeah. And then uh, Anna comes back to life. Because her true love was she sacrificed herself for her sister. Yeah. And to me, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in film. Because it basically took the Disney... You have... A prince has to kiss you and says, fuck you. Um, yeah. True love is these girls that are super strong and they don't need a fucking man to have true love. And it's a great moment because the sword shatters and then Elsa realizes she can reverse the curse by promoting love and happiness. And they do that. And then there's even the great satisfying thing where um, Hans is... I, I forget his line, but then Anna just punches him in the face and you're like yeah get him fuck those guys because she even tells Kristoff to back off that she's got it 
She's got it. She's going to take care of it. And I loved this movie. I thought it was so clever. Yeah. So beautifully done. I didn't even mention the amazing Mickey Mouse short before. Yeah, that was really good. Um, it's so cool to see uh, Mickey Mouse being an, an action star again. And I bet it looks pretty they, amazing in 3D. They struck the um, the tone for the black and white part just oh, perfect. Oh, man. Like that slapsticky. Um, because in the style. early ones, Mickey used to do that with his limbs all the time. He'd make them like yeah. rubber bandy, and yeah. And so Frozen, you really should see. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I, I can't wait uh, to get this on Blu-ray and watch it again. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, so yeah, and it's funny too. It's really funny. I, I, my favorite moment tonight too. There's a little boy who is sitting behind us, and every time something funny would go on screen he would laugh so loud and so happy it was it was the greatest thing yeah um i think uh i think they were still like i think that i think it's missing just a couple of like dramatic beats for me um which will probably be the reason it doesn't end up on my top 10 but it's still it's still fantastic james is fading fast yeah, guys. I'm, I'm really running out of, out of voice here um so go see frozen we both liked it um next week we're seeing a movie that James has been looking forward to all year. We're seeing Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Uh, the trailers, though, they say Desolation, Desolation of Smog. Yeah. They say it really weird. I don't know what the pr- pronunciation of it is. Uh, they're pronouncing it right. Are they? Yeah. Smog. All right. Until next week, we'll be there and back again. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.